Ray Podcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why to cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's your chance to give it a try. We're re-podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. I'm Janet. And today we're joined by a very special guest, making her third appearance on Repodcasting. Marita's here. Hello, it's so good to be back. So on our previous episode, we said that we would be recasting Gone in 60 Seconds today. But we Sorry. are but we have decided to change that and uh, I'll let Marita tell you why. Well, I had chosen Gone in 60 Seconds because I hadn't seen it since it had originally come out. And I remember loving it, but I thought, well, it's a Nicolas Cage movie, maybe it's not as good as I remember. And when I started watching it to recast it, I still loved it. And I think it's well cast, so I had to change my, <laughs> my pick. Um, and so because we're recording this just before Halloween, I don't know when it's going to be aired, but... December. December? Oh, well, right now, uh, Hocus Pocus is what everyone's talking about, so I decided to go with that film. Okay. Next, the box office for this film. No? Don't you want to read the synopsis? Usually we do box office first. Oh, do we do the... Okay, sorry. I've only been doing this for almost two years now. (laughs) Okay, so the box office for Hocus Pocus was... And remember, this film is 1993. Mm -hmm. So I was actually a little bit surprised by this budget. It's $28 million. And the box office was $39 million. So it certainly was not a commercial success, and it was definitely not a critical success either. But I think that had something to do with the marketing, because I'm sure you guys both, when you were doing your research, I found it very curious that this movie came out in July, and yet it's a Halloween themed movie so I thought that was interesting and I think that kind of shows how movie marketing has changed as well because you'll notice now with a lot of movies when there's a specific theme they do tend to come out around like a holiday or whatever so I certainly think that that impacted the box office that you've got a Halloween movie that comes out in July Yeah, I actually, what I found out about that is, so this is a Disney movie, which I was a little surprised at, and it's from 1993, as you said, which is the same year that The Nightmare Before Christmas came out, and so they had those both, like, ready to go, and they didn't want them competing. So apparently that's why this came out in July, and then The Nightmare Before Christmas came out uh, near Halloween. Well, if I had run things at Disney at that time, <laughs> I would have put this one out in October and Nightmare Before Christmas out in November. Exactly. <laughs> it's mainly Christmas. Yeah. But anyway, so I'll just tell you the synopsis for those of you who have never seen the movie. Uh, after moving to Salem, Massachusetts, teenager Max Dennison explores an abandoned house with his sister Danny and their new friend Allison. After dismissing a story Allison tells them as superstitious, Max accidentally frees a coven of evil witches who used to live in the house. Now, with the help of a magical cat, the kids must steal the witch's book of spells to stop them from becoming immortal. Very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Is that what it... I watched the movie, and it's not that I wasn't paying attention, but there were just a lot of things that I was like, wait, what happened? What? So they were going to become immortal? Yes! That's like throughout the whole movie. Were you doing something else at the same time that you were watching? I was researching like the people uh-huh. that I wanted to cast. <laughs> yeah, will... that's the whole... Sorry, that's the whole plot of the movie, is that... They're going to be immortal if he doesn't stop them by sunrise. Mm. That's why there was a big rush at the end yeah. before the sunrise. Okay. And they tricked them yeah. with that the sun was rising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before we dive into the casting, like one thing that I found with this movie was it kind of didn't know what it was. That was my issue with it. Because it wasn't scary enough, in my opinion, to be a horror. No. But I also didn't find that it was whimsical enough to be a comedy. Like, there was too much shrieking going on. Everyone was delivering their lines shrieking. So, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And so that was sort of my issue with it was like, what is this movie trying to be? And I don't know if you guys felt that way as well. No, I didn't. I felt that I actually wrote in my notes, it was just enough scariness for me. (laughs) But it's also Disney, so they're not going to do a horror movie, I think. I found it very whimsical, and I'd never seen this movie before. I know it's a cult classic, and everybody watches it every year at Halloween. I'd never seen it. Um, But I thought it was really fun. I thought it was really well done. I also had never seen it until today, actually. And um, I agree with Janet Ack. Like, I, to me... (laughs) That's shocking. <laughs> the first time <laughs> ever. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree because one thing I read in a New York Times review of it is that uh, Hocus Pocus is aimed squarely at the nowheresville between juvenile and adult audiences. And I agree because it was like the, I'm using quotations, the comedy was really broad and silly and it felt like it was for very small children. No. But they're like murdering children and like... It, to me, it wasn't adult for like it wasn't uh, scary enough for adults. It wasn't comedic in a way that is for adults. So to me, it was just in this weird nowhere place. To me, I think it's for like age like eight to fifteen would be their target audience. That's what I would guess. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, um, I think before we get into the recasting we'll take a quick break this episode of repodcasting is brought to you by telus world of science edmonton home of the canadian debut of marvel universe of superheroes this exhibition runs from october 19th to february 17th in edmonton alberta it features more than 300 artifacts costumes props and interactive elements to bring the marvel universe to life travel through the mysterious mirror dimension of dr strange digitally transform yourself into Iron Man, and pose for selfies with Black Panther, Spider-Man, and other iconic Marvel characters. 2019 marks the 80th anniversary of Marvel. Buy your tickets today at tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca. If you're coming from outside of Edmonton, there's a hotel deal on their website. This is the only place in Canada right now where you can see this exhibition. Visit tellusworldofscienceedmonton.ca. And now, back to the show. Okay, and we're back. I think we'll let our guest go first um, with our recasting. And uh, do you want to start with Winifred, the Bette Midler character? Okay, so I'll just explain again for anyone who has not seen the movie. There are three witches, Winifred, Sarah, and Mary. 
And so Winifred, what is that your name? It's Winnie. Winnie, they call her? Yeah. Um, she is played by Bette Midler, and she is the oldest of the three sisters and the leader of them. And I cast, recast, Julia Louis-Dreyfus as this role. At the time, she would have been 33, and she had been on SNL in the early 80s to the mid-80s. She had already been on Seinfeld for quite a few years. Uh, so she was well-known, and she is an incredible comedic performer. And she's a really good singer, which, if you can recall, there's a scene in the movie where they do a big number and they're singing, The Three Witches. So she can sing. I looked that up. She's a really good singer. So I thought she would be perfect as the lead, like, head witch sister. That's really good. I like that. I don't know if the person I cast can sing because I would cut that musical number. I think it was silly <laughs> and it had no place well, in this movie. So fun. <laughs> For me, I cast Sally Field. Mm. Um, I think that she is such a strong performer. Like she, I buy her as the leader of a coven of witches easily. She was 37 at the time. And yeah, I just think she she's also good at comedic performances, and I think she would have been really fun. I will say this about Bette Midler. Like, I thought that Bette Midler was probably... She was my favorite part of the movie. Like, I thought she kind of gave the the best from performance. And for me, she was like the shining moment. I did not think that. I didn't think that at all. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought the other two did a great job at being witches, and I thought Bette Midler, I love Bette Midler, like I love her as a person and I love her work, but in this movie I felt like she was too over the top and she's kind of a caricature, and especially her, the way her mouth was, her teeth, and the way her lipstick was, it was like, it kept distracting me. I thought she was the worst of the three. That's not her fault. I'm, the, I'm not blaming her. Teeth. I'm not blaming her. Okay, we have one mic. <laughs> We're gonna fight. Okay, so um, oh, I just lost my oh, train of thought. Anyway, Bette Midler was your Bette, favorite. Yeah, Bette Midler was my favorite. I enjoyed her, but in terms of over the top, I thought that of all the the witches. But that's the way I feel that the characters were probably written. I suspect that was uh, that was the writing. Um, but I enjoyed her the most. So anyways, I recast her with someone who could sing as well. Um, I didn't mind the musical number, so I definitely wanted someone who could sing and someone who could like really sort of, you know, be the, the head witch, so to speak. So I cast Patti Lupone. I don't know if you guys know who she is. She's huge Broadway star. Um, she actually, that year, she was doing uh, Sunset Boulevard in in London. Um, most recently, she's been on uh, a show called Penny Dreadful, um, but she's done various film, and she's very well known for her theater work, but she has a set of pipes <laughs> on her, and she's great. Like, she has such a strong character and oh, she is such a great actress and like anytime you see her in a role like she just has that super commanding star presence yeah. yeah so i i thought she would have i would have enjoyed to have seen her in that role yeah that's i think great. it's a really good choice um from her name i didn't know who it was but i just uh, looked her up on my phone and 
I agree. I really like her as an actor. And you said she was doing a musical at the time? She yeah. the, Oh, yeah, so she was already yeah working. Yeah, good. Cool, good casting. Oh, yes, yeah, Sarah. So I'll do Sarah next. Is that, I just picked her. She's the youngest sister of the witches, and she's very juvenile, and she's like the pretty one, but not very smart. Um, and Sarah Jessica Parker, I loved her in this role. I wouldn't have recast her if I wasn't recasting all the witches, <laughs> because I thought she did a really, really great job in, for that character. Um, and I have her age here. Oh, so she was 29 at the time. And I recast Jane Krakowski, if you know her. She is uh, from 30 Rock, and uh, yeah. she's the blonde girl from 30 Rock and Ellie McBeal, and uh, what's that, In Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, oh, the blonde. But She's on 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, 30 Rock. What was she doing in 93? So, yeah, she had already been on a soap opera for two years, and had been in many movies, never as a star, um, and then Ally McBeal started in 97, so this was just before she like really came out, but this could have been her breakout role, and she can also sing very, very well. And I feel like she physically fits the part of that character. Like she's blonde and she, she was 26 at that time. So she would have been close to the same age as Sarah and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> and she's very comedic, so I thought she'd do a great job. That's interesting. I think she would be good. I just don't know if they would have put an unknown. Like, because she wasn't really known at that point. But yeah, that's, I think she would have been good. For my Sarah... I also wanted to go for like somebody who looked the part was because she was kind of a I don't like this word but she was kind of a bimbo like she her cleavage was out all the time every time there was a boy or a man she was like kind of all over him um, and so I went with Melanie Griffith how old was she though? 36 so she wasn't like young young but she wasn't old um, and I like for me, I don't think Sarah Jessica Parker was bad, but it felt a little forced. Like oh, it didn't feel natural to me. Oh my god, I thought she was the most natural of the three. I disagree. And uh, I think Melanie Griffith, I could see her being more natural in that role. I don't know if I could see Melanie Griffith. No. I could I see Jane Krakowski. I like Jane Krakowski, but... I agree with Lucia in the sense that they probably wouldn't have cast her because at that point she probably didn't have enough of a name. But neither did Sarah Jessica Parker at that point. Yeah, she had already been in L.A. Story for sure, uh, and I think Miami Rhapsody as well. Like she had already been in starring roles. So or had like Jane fairly. You just said oh, she sorry, had starring been. roles, but she was yeah okay. She'd been working. She yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like her, and she is funny. I think she would have brought the comedy to that role that was needed because I didn't care for Sarah, oh. Sarah Jessica Parker either. Like, again, I felt that it was a very over-the-top performance. I didn't like her. Like, I didn't like her in the role. I, I don't know. I just, in my opinion, she wasn't suited for the role or I didn't so like crazy. what she did with it. Anyways. So I went with someone, I didn't go with somebody blonde, because I was like, I don't know, does she have to be blonde? I wanted someone who was a little bit more adept at comedy, like someone who you could 
or at least someone who I think is funnier, right? So I actually, this is one of my favorites. I feel like I always cast this person. I cast Marissa Tomei in the role because I thought like Marissa Tomei for starters is very charming. She has, she's very charming on screen, but she's also funny. Like she's got the comedy chops and I just would have liked to have seen like what she would have done with the role. like what her interpretation of the role would have been. I think that would have been really fun to see. I almost cast Marissa Tomei in that role, and the only reason I didn't is because I felt like we cast her too often. <laughs> <laughs> Keep her the job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like Marissa Tomei. I think she could have done a good job. She's good. Yeah. And she's probably young, or was young, sorry, at the time, because this, she's the youngest sister, and she's supposed to come across as, like, really young and juvenile, right? But Marissa Tomei, I think, even if she wasn't super young at the time, probably could have acted it. Mm. Melanie Griffith, I think. No. <laughs> but I don't think the character needs to be juvenile. Yes, that's her character. Then that's, you gotta talk to the writer. Oh, I would love it. to talk to the writer. Speaking of, of writer, I'll just in, <laughs> insert this little uh, point here. Did you hear, or not hear, did you read? Um, so the writer, David Kirshner, he wrote this story because he created it as a bedtime story for his daughters. Mm. And so he created the story of these three witches and then decided to write it and submit it to a magazine. And they published it. And then from there, it just got traction and then got made into a movie. Yeah, he wrote it that way. <laughs> it was initially, um, in 1984 was when it was first pitched, so it took quite a few years before it actually became a movie. But, like, just from doing our podcast, like, don't you find that that seems to be the way yeah. the movie business works? It takes a long time. Like, yeah. it seems like, you know, how many movies have, have we featured where like the script it takes 10 years for for the production to happen so I think more and more that seems to be just sort of the way the business sort of rolls out mm -hmm. the pre-production part takes forever okay so the last sister is Mary she's the middle sister and her character what I found from watching the movie is like the typical middle child she craves attention but she doesn't get it because the younger one's getting attention and the older one's leading all the time I felt like you needed to cast somebody who could play that role of being like kind of under, almost like underappreciated by her sisters. Uh, and so I cast Megan Mullally because mm -hmm. she's very comedic. She is Karen on Will and Grace. And in 1993, she had been in numerous TV shows. She was like, had been working for a long time, but never a star uh, of a TV show. Um, and she was 36. And I just feel like she could have played that. Because her voice, if you only know her as Karen, is not like that in real life. So if she just used her normal voice, I, and I just, I think she's underrated as an actor. Like, I think she has a lot of comedic timing and is really, really talented. So I think this role would have been very good for her career. Yeah. I initially, when, uh, when I was watching, I thought, like while watching Kathy and Jimmy, I was like, oh, I could see Rosie O'Donnell in this role. But then yeah. I felt like I was maybe um, just kind of casting someone too similar to her. And then I read later that Rosie O'Donnell was the initial person for the role. What? 
I think Rosie O'Donnell would be way too over the top, and I don't think she could tone it down enough to play a middle sister character. Um, yeah, maybe. Did you cast her? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, um, I went with Katie Siegel, who is uh, Peg on Married with Children. <laughs> How old was she? I'm, I'm concerned with the ages. 39. But who was your older sister? Yeah, she 37. Was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wasn't as like hung up on that. Well, they have to look it. Like they have to be the yeah, oldest Yeah, but they're sister. two years apart. So I think it's not that crazy to make one look a little older right. than the other, even if she's not. And I didn't... <laughs> You're going to complain about this too. But I didn't like the way that the character was played and I don't think Katie Siegel would have done it the same way and that's why I cast her. Well, guess what? The actor has to do what the director tells them to. <laughs> so if Katie Siegel was in the role, she would have to act it the same way if the director, Kenny Ortega, told her to act it that way. I'm not sure if you know what we're doing here. Uh, we are... You're recasting the actors, not the director. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm not recasting the director, but I'm putting my dream cast in here to make the movie that I want. Therefore, I'm the director now. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So I would have liked to have seen what Katie Siegel would have done with it. There's going to be a big fight here, folks. Uh, Okay, so in terms of this character, Mary, here's how I felt. Mary was kind of underplayed. Now, I don't know if that was the intention of the writers. I don't know if they wrote the character that way. I felt like Kathy Jimmy was kind of given this role that was a nothing burger, so to speak. Like, she kind of didn't have enough to do. It wasn't that I didn't... I didn't particularly like her either, but I also don't think that they gave her enough to do. Um, However, I think in the hands of somebody else, I think that perhaps it would have been a different sort of performance and maybe it would have been a little bit more appealing. I don't know. Or, you know, sometimes you have actors where they don't have a lot to do, but they do a lot Mm -hmm. with the little that they have to do. So I uh, selected Joan Cusack. And I don't know if you guys know who she is. I think the reason that I thought of her was because I reflected back to her performance in School of Rock. I love that movie. And she is so good in it. And that's also a role that's very small and understated. And she shines in that role. Exactly. (laughs) So that's why I... Because I find that Joan Cusack, that's just the sort of actor that she is like she often has oh, these really small roles pardon just i was gonna say you should maybe just tell listeners who don't know who that is she's the principal in school of rock yeah so yeah like she often has these roles that are small but then she's so memorable mm-hmm. in them right mm-hmm. and she has great comedic timing mm-hmm. she is so good and I would have liked to have seen her opposite Patti LuPone and Marissa Tomei. Like, I love, I would have loved to have seen what that would have looked like. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows if they would have had chemistry or not, but 
I think it would have been an interesting dynamic, so I went with her. I forgot to mention this when I was saying, but I also thought of the dynamic between the sisters when I was recasting, and I think Megan Mullally and Julia Louis-Dreyfus would have played really well off each other. I don't know if they've ever been in anything together, I don't think so, but I'd like to see them, you know, their chemistry together. Mm -hmm. And also I wanted to point out, Kathy Najimy, before this uh, movie, she had been in Sister Act 2, uh, sorry, mm -hmm. Sister Act 1, in 1992, the year before, but before that, she only had small roles that were like not even named. So she was the crazy video customer in The Fisher King and Lang's Girl Friday in The Hard Way. And then she got Sister Act and then she got Hocus Pocus. And then since then, she hasn't done anything big. Like, if you think of Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker, and then you're like, and Kathy and Jimmy, who? <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think, um, I don't know that she was well cast in this movie. Yeah, but I mean, as Janet was saying, she was very underused in this. Like she didn't, but maybe the she... role was small. And yeah, maybe it's her. Maybe she didn't do enough with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can see why from Hocus Pocus, you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, I need to cast her in something. And it's interesting what uh, Marita is saying because like, I can't tell you the last time I saw Kathy and Jimmy mm -hmm. in anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I don't know what do you do you happen to know what her last project was? Anybody? Do you? Hello, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Anyone? Yell at your phone. Anyone? <laughs> um, the last thing I remember her in was I think it was called Suddenly Susan. I think she was in. That. Oh my god, I love Suddenly. She was in that. No, she wasn't. Okay, maybe she wasn't. For anyone I never who's saw wondering, it. we're just Googling Kathy Najimy. Is, is this good radio? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any interesting facts about the movie while I look it up quickly? Sure, this is a good one. Uh, Jennifer Lopez auditioned for the role of Sarah. Yeah. Now, I don't know what Jennifer Lopez was doing at this time. I guess she would have already been a fly girl by then, but I don't know what else. 90s. That's really interesting. I could not picture her in this movie at all. I know she does. Yeah, I know she does comedy, and I love J-Lo, but I don't think she's... I don't think it's her strong suit comedy, we'll say. Like, if they had cast her in this movie, like that would have been serious miscasting, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Again, like... I'm. I know Marita's is not a huge fan of Jennifer Lopez. I or no, sorry, oh. Alicia. <laughs> oh, I, don't I, even know, I just said I was. I don't even know who I'm here with today. <laughs> um, Marita's a fan. Lucia, I believe, is not a fan oh. of Jennifer Lopez. I do like her as well, but I could not see her in this film. Please don't <laughs> call me out because the Jennifer Lopez police will come and get me. <laughs> Okay, so I found on IMDb uh, what Kathy and Jimmy has been up to, and she did 12 episodes on Veep. Oh, jeez. Oh, so that's the with most. With Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but I didn't. She would have been with Megan Mullally. But anyway, um, she did one episode of The Good Fight, mm -hmm. excellent TV show, one episode of Good Witch, one episode of American Dad, oh, wow. one episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, one episode of Tangled, the series, one episode of The President Show. Oh, wow. So it's just like, you know, she does, oh, one episode of BoJack Horseman. That's just voiced, obviously. Yeah, she's just like little little roles here and there. I guess she's working. Good yeah. for her. But <laughs> uh, I have an interesting fact. Sarah Jessica Parker... Turns out she is related to a woman who was accused of being a witch during the real Salem witch trials. Mm -hmm. 
And then she wasn't actually tried, but um, a neighbor's daughter said that she saw her her spirit murder a neighbor or something like that. And so she was accused of being a witch. This is Sarah Jessica Parker's ancestor, not Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, and another interesting fact, Leonardo DiCaprio was offered the role of Max, which is the boy who accidentally brings these uh, three witches back into the world. Um, but he turned it down for the movie What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which was the right thing to do because you got to work with Johnny Depp. <laughs> Not to mention that movie compared to Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I think you made the right choice. Um, I do just want to quickly say that, uh, yeah, I was wrong about Kathy and Jimmy being in Suddenly Susan. I was mixing it up with Veronica's Closet. That's what she was in. Oh. I just want to say sorry to oh. Kathy and Jimmy that <laughs> we thought you hadn't had a job. <laughs> And apparently you've been working steadily. Sorry, Kathy and Jimmy, if you're listening. <laughs> Did you guys realize that the voice of Binks the cat was not the voice of the actor who had been playing Thackeray Binks? No. So Why would they get a different voice? I don't know. Maybe they That's just weird. hired a voice actor. I don't know if this person is normally a voice actor. It was Jason Marsden who voiced the cat. What? Um, he is. He was in 30 Rock as well. He's who married Liz Lemon at the end. Right? That's Jason Marsden. <laughs> no, we're terrible. Again. This will be cut out. I don't know if this is a fun fact, but I just want to ask if you guys thought that this was at all creepy and disturbing while you were watching the movie. So Gary and Gary Marshall was in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you're going to say. And Go ahead, so it was Gary and Penny Marshall yeah, and yeah. were cast I as a married think. couple, which I thought was so super weird. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, they're supposed to be married, but doesn't everyone know they're a brother and sister? But also I thought, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. They're not like, brother and sister. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're brother and sister. I what did you Penny think they were? Gary Marshall? I thought Gary Marshall was her dad. No, no, no. Oh. They're siblings. Oh. I know he's a lot older than her, but they're siblings. Are you sure? I yes. googled it. Okay. Because I, when I saw them married, I'm like, they're related, and I googled it. I'm like, oh, they're brother and sister. And then I was like, well, I guess it kind of would be fun to play because they they were a married couple, but like they weren't romantic with each other in this movie at all. So it would have been fine, you know, just kind of funny. I thought it was odd, and I did not care for it. <laughs> um, another uh, like. Initial casting choice. Um, Cloris Leachman was the producer's first choice to play Winnie Winifred. Oh, she would have been good. I, I like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's it. Oh, and then the last fun fact that I have is um, when the kids leave the school after they've put the witches in the kiln. I yeah. don't know why a school has a kiln, but lots uh, of schools. So as they're walking down the street, they pass by the house that is uh, in American Beauty, like the yeah. Kevin Spacey and at Benning House, and Thora Birch is in American Beauty. Mm -hmm. I noticed that too. And also, uh, you were gonna tell us why this movie was released in July. Did you tell us? So as not to confuse. Oh, right. <laughs> Can you cut that out? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> this is Marita's last. Visit with free podcasting. Thanks and goodbye. <laughs> I forgot you told us.
I was okay. only half paying attention. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can we now cast Tony Danza? Um, yeah. Oh, before, before we do oh, that, do I am going to tell you the ratings that I found for this okay. movie. So on Rotten Tomatoes, the, for 49 reviewers, the rating was 33%. And then on IMDb, it didn't have a numerical rating, so I kind of was like flipping through the reviews that were on there. I was only able to find three reviews that gave it a, a numerical rating, and the average of that was 25%. Mm. So critics did not enjoy this movie. But it's still like shown every single year, and everybody loves it, and when it comes, you know, like around Halloween, everyone's like, oh. This book is, and I never had seen it before, but now I get it. I'm gonna be watching this every year at Halloween now. So, these terrible ratings, I don't know, I don't agree. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I sort of I don't know if when you guys were doing your research on the movie, uh, if you saw anything about sort of why it has become such a, a cult film, right? Um, and basically, you know, a lot of the the stuff that I read, it's mainly because it has found such a life on like the Disney Channel and on something else called Freeform. And like uh, so many people, so many more people have sort of been exposed to it because they do play it every year on these channels that I guess are really big, the Disney Channel, etc. And then also apparently like it just found like this new life in DVD sales starting, I believe it was either 2010 or 2012. Oh. Yeah. And a lot of it too was attributed to the fact that it's nostalgic for millennials as well. That, you know, a lot of millennial kids um, watch this yeah. and it's that nostalgia factor. Yeah, because they would have been the age that I said I felt like it was geared to. Right. So I was 13 when this came out. Mm -hmm. Had I seen it at the time, I probably would love it and watch it every year. Yeah. As it stands now, I hope to never see this again. <laughs> um, anywho, <laughs> uh, I know people love it and that's great. Good for you. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll take a break <laughs> before getting on with our last segment. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATV. And guess what? So are we. And who are we? Well, I'm Josh. And I'm Alan. And we're pressed to join. We have a weekly podcast bringing you current events from everything from gaming to comics to technology, security, all that fun stuff. And every episode we bring you a recommendation for something we think you might like. And uh, we've got a special bad descriptions game that we're playing every week now that Josh hosts. Yeah, new for 2019, I've written a whole bunch of bad descriptions of things that seemingly makes no sense, but once you know what it's to, it's painfully obvious. And then at the end of every month, we do a deep dive into the history of a gaming company, franchise, or just even technology. We've done arcade cabinets one time. Popular things like Mario, and then things you don't know about, like Earth Defense Force. You can check us out at psjshow.com, albertapodcastnetwork.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as always, thank you all very much for listening. And thanks for pressing start. Okay, and we're back. And it is time now for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. Woo. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So we'll let our guest go first. Okay, I was very excited with when this role 
this person, this character came onto the screen because I thought, oh my god, this could be Tony Danza's role. Like as I was watching the movie, I thought it. So there's a scene where the three witches are waiting for the bus, and then it pulls up, and the bus driver is like, hey, the three witches or the three sisters, because it's Halloween night. This movie takes place on Halloween night, so he thinks it's three girls dressed up as the sisters from 300 years ago or whatever. And so then they get on the bus, and he's all like. Kind of like flirty, and then he lets the youngest sister sit on his lap and drive the bus. And I was like, "This is Tony Danza's role." But doesn't he also kind of drop a line that is like creepily, kind of like he could be a pedophile? What? Yeah, what because does he say? Bette Midler says something about she desires children, and he's like, "Well, yeah, like." He kind of agreed. Isn't that that part? That is that part, but when his response, like when she says she desires children, his response is basically like, oh, if you want to have kids with me, it'll take a little while or something like that. That's what he was getting at. And I don't think she used the word desire. Yes. Sadly, she did. Oh, I didn't even notice. She did. But yeah, his his response was something about having kids together. So I kind of, I interpreted it differently, obviously, but okay. To me, Sarah Jessica Parker's character was the one that was borderline pedophile because she was all over the young boys and she'd be like, ooh, boys. It was really gross. But she's supposed to be young herself. She's a 28-year-old woman. She does not look like a child. She's not. Okay. (laughs) Isn't she 300 years old? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Good point, Janet. But she's young. She's a young, young witch. She's a young In which years she's a teenager? She's like Dumbledore. Okay. <laughs> um, so I struggled with this because there weren't a lot of good male roles in the movie. Um, which is another thing I liked about it because it, it's like, it's from the 90s and it was three female leads and then of the three kids, two of them were girls and the boy, like usually, you know, the boy saves the day in especially 80s and 90s movies. And he did not. The girls were like in charge of getting things under control and making the decisions. And I really liked that about this movie. And I think it was because the guy who wrote it, he told this, he made up the story for his daughters. Because when I make up bedtime stories for my daughters, I also make very like strong female leads in the stories. Maybe yeah. mine will turn into a movie in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I also like that about the movie, but I then found it difficult to cast Tony Danza. So um, I cast him as the devil, the Gary Marshall oh. role. <laughs> because Gary Marshall is a very like jovial, affable person, even playing the devil. And uh, he... Just to be clear, he was a person dressed up as the devil for Halloween. He wasn't playing the devil. <laughs> I read in a review that he was playing the devil. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't the devil. He could have been because he says, hey, I've seen you before and they recognized him too. So no. did you? You need to rewatch this movie. You missed the whole story. So they, they're witches. So they see the devil as their master. It's Halloween night. He's dressed up as the devil. So they're like, master. And then he says, I've seen you before because the town of Salem, everyone knows the story of the Sanderson Mm. sisters. That's why when the boy moves there from California, people are telling him the story because everybody knows the Sanderson sisters. And so when the girls, the real Sanderson sisters, are out trick-or-treating, it looks like they're trick-or-treating, and he sees them, he's like, I've seen you before. 
the Sanderson sisters. So that's that's that one. Lucia looks very unconvinced by <laughs> by that explanation. Fun. So my recasting of Tony Danza, I cast him as Thackeray, <laughs> the black cat, because I that's Binks. Oh, you cast him as Thackeray Binks as Binks, oh, okay. yeah. Because I was like, I want to see a black cat on screen with Tony Danza's voice. <laughs> I would have loved that. So that's who I cast him as. But I have to disagree with you. <laughs> that's because a, that's allowed. Because the the cat is supposed to be a young boy who got turned into a cat, and Tony Danza's voice would have been too old. Exactly. It's like. It's the irony of it. Like okay. you have like this young person, but he's got like this, hey. like this. Like, hey, oh, oh, hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's got like this, like you know, like big voice and like New York accent. So I just, yeah. I thought it would have been funny, yeah. at least funnier than what was than what I was seeing anyway. Yes, thank you for adding some comedy to this movie. Ah. <laughs> Um, okay, so so that's it then for um, our recasting. What? What am I missing? No, you're not missing anything. <laughs> what? Um, so so that's it for our recasting. Um, we. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Our guest has lost it. <laughs> oh yes, thank God. Our guest. This is the last time that you'll be hearing Marita on repodcasting, so I hope you all enjoyed this. We had a good run. <laughs> okay, so um, for uh, now I'm lost. <laughs> I'm messing up your podcast. <laughs> okay. So, if you want to uh, email us with your thoughts on Hocus Pocus, um, <laughs> email us at repodcasting at gmail.com, also with any miscast movie suggestions. And on all the social media stuffs, we are repodcasting. And um, that's it for us this month. Uh, we haven't picked our next movie yet. It's a surprise. <laughs> exactly. That's what we say when we haven't picked the movie yet. <laughs> it's a surprise, listeners. And I just want to say, uh, Marita, you are invited back. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Even though... But I'm never coming back after you cut up the movie that I liked. I just and wanted to recast it. I like the movie. Well, I will say this. I think we all put our own unique spin on this movie. I would like to think that we all improved upon it in some way. So thank you for joining us, Marita. Oh, thank you for having me. And I just want to apologize to your listeners who um, heard that the next movie was going to be Gone in 60 Seconds. If you watched it in preparation for this podcast, well, instead of saying, sorry, actually, I think I'm going to say you're welcome because it's a great movie and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I was looking forward to rewatching it because I haven't watched it in a long uh, time, but I'll rewatch it anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so that's it from us. Thanks, Marita. Hope to see you again soon here. <laughs> thanks, Marita. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Okay, and thanks, Janet. We're in the same room. Yay! <laughs> okay, see you next month. Bye. 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 Looking for tickets to major sporting events, concerts, or theater events in your area? Use the ticket resale site, SeatGiant.ca. SeatGiant is Canadian-owned and operated, and they guarantee every ticket. 
All of their ticket prices are in Canadian dollars, even for events that are in the U.S. You can use the promo code APN, all lowercase, at checkout to get 5% off your purchase. What does the APN stand for? Alberta Podcast Network, of course. So find more than a million tickets at seatgiant.ca and use the offer code APN to get 5% off at checkout. And now back to the show. <laughs> 